Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you Chapter 65 of Radiance, my Fallout fan fiction. As always, if you can like, subscribe, share this wherever you can, it's always well appreciated. If you can leave me feedback, either at fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. Every comment warms my heart, you know, gives me the drive to continue, to continue writing and weaving these tales for us all to take together. And also now... With the uh, launch of my first book having actually been completed, it's out currently on smashwords.com. Though, to be fair, from what I understand from them, it is now actually being distributed to all major distributors, things like Apple Books, the Barnes & Noble catalogue, and to mention but a few others. So if you could, you know, support me and help me out, you know, help me continue doing what I love, and this is what I love. Help me continue to weave these tales for you all and to have the time and freedom to do so on my own terms. That would be very, very much appreciated. So if you can just stop by, pick yourself up a copy and enjoy the little tale that I wove just for you. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own anything to do with Fallout. It's all fan fiction. It's all Bethesda. They got the bitch... Bitch. They've got the glitches, not the bitches. They've probably got a few of them, but you know, that's another question entirely. Uh, the glitches and the bugs and everything else. And I've just got all the, li- the crazy tales. That'll keep me happy. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 65. Claws of War. Seven and Chris were just on their way back from their meeting, which, to be fair, gone incredibly well, as it turned out that every single person in the in- settlement pretty much wanted the Enclave gone, preferably as violently as possible, so it would not be ambiguous as to whether they tried to come back at a later point. Though, to be fair, Seven had pretty much done all of the talking, and Chris had been pretty much being preoccupied by being hugged to death by both his mother and sister, who had come running at the moment that the word of Chris being back had reached them. He spent pretty much the entire time intermittently being hugged and telling them what had happened to him, and to be fair, wasn't every day you get press ganged into a megalomaniac military and then shot, as well as rescued, by the very same people who had shot you, which also included a whole group of non-humans, none of which were at the meeting for security and safety. But it still amazed them all the same. But it was also thanks to Chris that the opinions of the townspeople were rapidly swayed, as he told the group how... They had very effectively and very quickly taken down the entire Enclave stronghold without a single loss on their side, as well as telling them of the group's non-human contingent and how they were with the humans of their group and how much of a boon and benefit they would be here. So it was definitely his opinion of them that swayed the entire town, though his mother and sister were rather angry with Seven for shooting their beloved one, though Chris did point out that at the time They really didn't have to save him. As far as they were concerned, he was an enemy combatant, and they could have just easily as much executed him or left him on the floor helpless to die alone. Well, scared and alone. But they didn't. They healed him. They took him in, and they gave him a chance to not only live, but to help them. So he took it. Though thankfully, he left out the agreement between him and Vess, which was probably for the best. As they were walking, Seven saw a figure flat out sprinting towards them, and instantly he went on alert. His heckles went royally up as soon as he saw who the figure was. Seven, come quick. We has major problem. 
may need to hit town right now, Runs exclaimed, sounding a little out of breath, which wasn't surprising given that he'd just sprinted all the way from the town itself, which was a fair old distance away. What happened? Seven demanded. Soldiers tried to rape girl and boy. Gregory stopped them from getting girl. Kill them. Risk go after soldiers take boy. Gone up to big house where officer live. Could be major problems coming. He exclaimed and Seven didn't even hesitate. He took off running, but not before turning and yelling to Chris to get back to his people and to tell him to go get ready right fucking now. Getting out was a hell of a lot harder than getting in, as Riss's cloak couldn't exactly hide Billy, so Riss had to pick a path that would allow them to slip past unnoticed. Her heart was pounding in her chest the entire time as they dashed across the open ground with him riding on her back like a little jockey. She dashed from side of the house to the first fence, and after checking it was clear, leapt it, landing clear in the middle of the patrol path in between the two fences. Almost instantly she heard a shout from their far right. Hey you! Stop there! A man yelled, his power armour amplifying and somewhat distorting his voice. But it wasn't the shout that worried her. It was the two plasma shots that hit the ground next to her that did the trick. Hold on tight! She yelled before leaping the second fence and making a mad dash for the tree line. All the while green bolts of plasma sizzled and cooked the air around her impacting the ground and setting the grass aflame here and there as she weaved back and forth to create a zigzag line as she ran. She was running as fast as her legs could carry them, but she could feel Billy ducking low and hanging on for all he was worth as they ran. And then that's when she heard something that made her heart soar. Run straight, Riss. They cannot see you now. Right now, there are a thousand of you running in all directions. A voice she quickly realised was Zixie said into her head. And as if on cue, she heard the men behind her screaming something about an invasion and shooting wildly at the ground in every direction. As she burst through the trees, she impacted into something large and green that stopped her dead like she'd hit a wall that was somehow as soft as an airbag. Gotcha, big girl, a familiar voice said. A second before she went to lash out with her claws and she looked up to see Raymond smiling down at her, though now he appeared to be rocking himself a brand new suit of Malachi's finest silk armour. Are you okay? Another voice asked from her right, and she turned to see both Wisp and Zixie standing there, both armed with what appeared to be plasma rifles. Yes, we are unharmed. What did you do to them? Wisp panted, looking at Zixie, and the small alien girl gave her a smile that was kind of odd in a way. Oh, nothing too amazing. I just made them believe that there's currently over a thousand Night Stalkers rampaging all over their HQ. Amazing what you can do with a little memory and with a little more than a healthy dose of fear, she replied with a sly grin. We came as soon as Gregory burst into the verti, yelling something about shit going sideways, and that you'd gone off to save someone. I guess this is him, Wisp said, and Riss nodded. The officer in that house was going to torture and rape him. I extracted justice upon her, though I wish I had longer to get justice and vengeance for all the souls she has destroyed. Respat and all of them nodded. Well, rest easy, big girl. I'll carry him from here. You did good. Damn fucking good, Raymond said softly, 
taking Billy from her back and hoisting the scared boy, looking boy up. Don't worry, young one. You're safe with us. No one on this earth is going to be stupid enough to try for you while we guard you. Trust me, I've seen what happens firsthand when these guys get angry. Ain't that pretty at all, he said softly, trying to calm the youngster's nerves down. Which was easier said than done when you're being carried around by a large super mutant. I, I, I know. Riss killed the bad woman. She bit her right in the neck and killed her dead. Fucked her right up, she did. Billy said in a scared but also relieved sounding voice that made the group smile in unison. Yep, Rissy is one of the best. Trust me, once she's got your back, you never need to be scared again. Because there's only one person that scares her, or any of us for that matter, and he's on our side. And if I know him, he's right on his way right here right now. With her husband in tow, I'd bet. And I pity any one fucking fool enough to try and stop him from reaching us, Raymond said, as he turned and began to lead the way back to the vertebird. Seven burst to the back door of the vertebird, making everyone still inside jump a mile, and he found himself staring down a few gun barrels before they realised who it was and they all lowered. Jesus fucking Christ, Seven, I nearly fucking shot you. You really gotta calm the fuck down. Shepard growled as she lowered her gun and moved to reveal that she'd thrown herself in front of a scared-looking girl who was wrapped up in a warm blanket that looked to be very much Malachi's handiwork. Don't worry, Lily. This is the guy I was telling you about. I know he don't look it, but he's more powerful than all of us combined. Trust me on that one. He's called Seven, and despite his gruff exterior, he's actually really friendly, Shepard said softly, stroking the frightened teenage girl's hair, trying to comfort her. Any word on Riss? Seven asked, and they all shook their heads. Wisp took off with Raymond, Spectre and Zixie to catch up with her, but we haven't heard from them yet. The Wisp does have one of the radios with her, Shepard said, and immediately Seven rushed forwards to the cockpit and dropped into the co-pilot's chair, and tuning the radio to the private encrypted channel the radios used. Wisp, come in, Wisp, Seven said, and there was a soft hiss of static for a few moments. Before he ra- and just before he raised the radio to repeat it, the voice cut back through. Go for Wisp. That you, Seven? Over, she replied. Yeah, it's me. What's the situation over there? Over, Seven replied to her. We've got Riss, so you can tell Runs to calm down. His wife is safe and sound. We've also got the boy, and I'm also happy to report she got to him in time. He's safe, sound and whole. They didn't get a chance to touch him before Riss turned their worlds inside out. But we got a major shitstorm brewing over here. Think things are going to go sideways, Wisp said, and Seven nodded and sighed heavily. Roger that. Get the boy back on here over the double. We're going in now. We need to get the word out to the claws. I get the feeling we're going to need them ASAP. With or without the ferals. Over, Seven said, and there was a pause for a moment. And then Wisp came back. Zixie says she may be able to help with that. She knows both Ven and V's mind patterns, whatever the hell that means. She says she can try and reach them. Over, she said, and Seven frowned for a moment before he realised exactly what she was talking about. Roger that. Tell her to do it. And tell everyone else to get the hell back here, over and out. Seven said before turning to head back to where he'd just relayed to everybody what had just happened making runs sigh in pure relief. 
The team got back as quick as they could, and watching both Billy and Lily sobbing and hugging each other as they were reunited, and then they both kept thanking the team over and over again, especially Gregory and Riss, was heartwarming. Alright people, we're stuck with zero time now. we got to move, because if they were clueless as to what was happening before, they're pretty sure going to fucking figure it out quickly now. So we got to move before the shit hits a royal-sized fan, and they dig in hard, because otherwise we're going to have some serious fucking problems digging them out again. we got to hit them now, and we got to hit them hard, Seven said, moving over and stepping into his power armour, which when it moved he saw fear in both Billy and Lily's eyes. Don't worry, same guy, different face. The Enclave may be giant cunts, but what they do do is make good damn good power armour. And if I can turn their own toys against them, I'm going to do it, he said, flexing his fingers as his suit ran the boot-up sequence. Have you called Visa and Ven? Seven says as he turned to Zixie, and she nodded, and that's when he noticed she was looking a little worried. Yeah, but I don't think we have time to wait for them. Something's going on in the town, Seven. I can feel it. Panic, fear, anger. I get the feeling it's going down and we need to go now. Or we're not going to win this. Well, easily anyway. And there might be not left anybody left to save if we do. Sixty said, and looking very concerned. And Seven nodded. All right, everyone, gear up. We're going in now. He replied. What do I do with all this armour I've been making for the Feral Claws? Malachi asked, holding up some of the armour which he seemed to be sat on top of a pile of, like an eight-legged furry dragon sitting on top of its treasure hoard. Zixie, can you tell Zaviza and Ven we'll set up a drop-off zone for their armour? Seven said, and she nodded. On it, and I know just the spot. Saw it on our way back from the forest near the town. Perfect place, she said, and Seven nodded. All right, peeps, grab some of Malachi's hoard and let's fucking go. Gregory... Get ready on that detonator, Seven said, and Gregory checked his pouch for it and nodded. Group began the power march back towards the town, and as they reached the edge of the farms, they found a large group waiting for them, and they looked like a mob straight out of a medieval witch hunt or a vampire hunt. Given the absolute mishmash of gear they were carrying, they were pretty much one step away from pitchforks and torches. But they teamed up, and as they approached, the entire group tensed up and Seven could see a lot of eyes darting between the two super mutants and the now heavily armoured Arachnikai boy, who was holding a rather large razor rifle he'd nicked from the bunker where they'd found Zixi. Though, to be fair, she did kind of look like one of those Russian dolls that had other dolls inside them, though she'd been wrapped up in some of Malachi's armour. Sensing the tension, Seven moved in front of them all. OK, people, listen up. It's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be clean. I want nobody to be under any illusions. The Enclave is, as much as they come across as a cartoon villain, incredibly good at what they do. And they're very well armed and equipped. And they're not going to give up without a fight. They've had chance to set up defences. They've had chance to dig in. Now they're not invincible. And we have to make life as pretty much hard as possible. And we have pretty much made an entire life out of pretty much kicking these arrogant twats royally in the dick as hard as we can. We're going to scare these fuckers so badly that they'll never come back within a thousand miles of this town ever again. We're going to show them what good people, both human and non-human, can do when they're united together under one banner. And when we stand side by side and we fight for not only each other, but for what is ours, we will make them understand.
Zavin yelled. And for all of them, they roared and cheered as all the built-up resentment and anger found a vent before they all fell in step with Seven and his team and they all headed towards the town. As the group reached the outer edge of the town, Seven spotted a single soldier running away from from them through the town itself. He'd obviously been acting as a scout and he'd spotted the mob approaching and was now running to warn the garrison. Seven saw Gregory pull the detonator out of his pocket and he shook his head and held up his hand. Not yet. Give it a minute, he said, and Gregory looked at him curiously until he saw a load of soldiers running from the garrison towards the armoury as an alarm began to peal across the landscape. And when they disappeared inside, Seven gave him a thumbs up. No sooner had Gregory hit the button than the alarms were drowned out by a deafening boom of the incredible explosion that rocked the landscape sending debris and smoke pluming upwards in a huge mushroom cloud that sped towards the sky. Nope, Gregory said, dropping the detonator switch to the floor, pulled his rifle out from his back and into his hands again, getting ready to take aim. The armoury just simply vanished from existence, leaving nothing but a burning crater as debris rained around, down all around the town. Seven raised a telekinetic bubble shield around the mob, which deflected any pieces of the debris from raining down on top of them and hurting anyone. But Seven could see the townspeople ducking and trying to shield themselves, along with hearing a few cries of alarm as large chunks of brick and metal bounced off the invisible barrier above their heads, which were swiftly replaced by the murmurs and looks of confusion as to what had protected them in the first place. Don't fear, good people. Seven's got this. He'll protect you, Malachi said confidently, trying to calm them down. All right, people, let's do this. Let's take back this town, Seven yelled, pointing forwards towards the garrison, just as some of the power-armoured soldiers come rushing out of it, right into the line of fire. Seven opened up with the laser gatling gun, making the soldiers scatter, trying desperately to find cover. Despite the numbers being heavily in the favour of the townspeople, Seven knew the advantage actually lay with the enclave soldiers, as even without the armoury they still had a few heavier weapons, and obviously had a few suits of power armour in use, and only one of these gave them a massive advantage in survivability over a bunch of farmers equipped with mismatched equipment and firearms. So now the plan was simple. Keep the soldiers uncoordinated to prevent them forming a coordinated defence that would be able to push back the mob. Now on the way down here, Seven had pulled hard out a hash of a plan out of his arse. It was relatively simple in that they... The majority of the mob focused on the unarmoured soldiers, while Seven and his people would deal with those wearing power armour, and hopefully they could hold all in check until the claws arrived. The mob charged, screaming and waving their mismatched weapons right at the garrison, while some of them split off and headed towards the house that the officer had taken up residence, and that Riss had rescued Billy from. Seven knew that the XO-1 power armour that both he and they were wearing was incredibly resistant to energy weapons, so unless he foc- they focused fire on a single soldier, he'd swiftly figure out he just wasn't able to do enough damage to push them back. So the trick was to keep them panicking, so they didn't collect their thoughts enough to realise it. Fortunately, the rest of his team were doing the same thing, having immediately spread out into cover using buildings and anything else they could find to cover up their advance. The centre of their town had pretty much instantly become a pitched battleground, 
with projectiles of all shapes, sizes, in the case of plasma and lasers, colour, being slung across in a crisscross in section, turning the centre of the town into an obstacle course of death. Cover me, I need to reload, Seven yelled, and his team sprung up from their cover points and up the fire rate to keep the enclave under cover. Seven ejected the spent fusion core from his gun with a loud hiss and slapped in a fresh one as the barrels were cooling down. It was one of the cores they'd liberated from the destroyed power armour back at the labs. So rather put them to good use. Just after Seven had got it powered back up, he'd noticed three of the Enclave soldiers pushing up on the right flank to try and flank Wisp and Malachi, who were dug in behind what appeared to be an old metal sign that was just big enough and thick enough to prevent any bullets from penetrating it, or being big enough to hide Malachi's sizable frame behind it, while Wisp herself was sat on his abdomen and was using it to lift herself up enough to fire over the top of it. Quickly he dropped his gun, letting the strap hold it, and he held out his hands towards them. The three of them stopped dead like they'd just run into a brick wall before floating up into the air. Ah, fuck you! Seven screamed through the pain that flared up, as he was not fully recovered from the overexertion of his powers he'd been doing lately. Doing the motions with his hands, he smashed the three of the screaming men together and crushed them into what appeared to be a metal wrecking ball with assorted arms and legs sticking out of it all over the shop before pitching them at the entrenched enclave, smashing through some of their cover with their own guys. Unfortunately, this kind of had the side effect of causing a lot of the remaining soldiers to turn and focus their fire on Seven, which essentially, given that he was caught out in the open, made him target number one. Now, while he could use his telekinesis to quickly deflect any solid projectiles, it was pretty much useless against plasma and lasers, which shot right through it and hit his armour, causing the alarms to go off inside. Once they realised this, a series of very well-placed plasma shots, possibly from their snipers, managed to focus in on his right shoulder and punch through the armour, causing an oddly cold sensation to burst right down his entire right side. It caused him to yell out as he realised that he'd actually been hit. I'm hit! he yelled, diving back into cover and looking down at the shoulder pauldron which had a nice series of scorches along it, with along with a hole burned cleat through the centre. It wasn't large, about the size of a bottle cap, which made him realise it had deflected the vast majority of the plasma and the heat across the skin of the armour, causing the scorches. But the single core of the shot had been hot enough to burn through, and when enough of them hit the same place, it seemed these soldiers knew the weaknesses of their own armour, because they caved it right in. Seven heard a sharp hiss in his ear as the suit's auto-stimpack injector kicked in and hit him with one of the stimpacks that Sean had cooked up while they were back in their ghoul safe house and she'd loaded into the suit's medical systems. This allowed him to keep going. These stimpacks were, as mentioned, a blend of Shauna's own design. They were far more potent than the standard ones you find around the waist as these had a mixture of not only the acted as an incredible painkiller but a very powerful regenerative agent that quickly helped to fix the damage. But there was a much bigger problem than a hole in his shoulder right now. It meant that he couldn't lift the Gatling gun, so now he was going to have to focus and write completely on his powers, as he was not carrying a secondary weapon as all of those that had been laid around had been distributed to his team and the townspeople. But the funny thing was, 
that the first thought that came into his mind was not that they were going to have a much bigger problem now that he was partially disarmed. It was Visa going to freak the ever-living fuck out when she found out what had happened to him. And speaking of which, just as the soldiers began to get bold, there was a huge bellowing roar that shook the whole town. And not only did it echo, but it was picked up and amplified by a whole host of others, causing Seven and pretty much everyone else's heads to turn to find the source of it, which was stood right on the edge of the woods. The roar had come from Vess, who was now clad from head to foot in heavy armour that had been stashed there courtesy of Malachi. No sooner had the roar died down than a whole mass of claws emerged from the woods, all stood together, and Seven could instantly see not only Visa and Ven among them, but the ferals as well, a fact that was backed up a moment later because the Alpha Matriarch of that feral pack and her Alpha Patriarch stepped up next to Vess and bellowed out their own roars as well, just like Vess. They were clad in the heavy armour to protect them as well. The roar of the claws of war was picked up by the townspeople, as all at the same time they seemed to realise that they were there for them. They were there to aid them and assist them, because all that time they'd spent fostering relationship with these feral course by feeding them, respecting them, and respecting the sanctity of their home had now paid off because they were there when they needed them. They had called for help and these claws had answered and they had come to fight for their friends. So as the people began to bellow out their roars and to yell, the claws began to charge with Vess and her fellow Alphas leading the charge, heading right for the now terrified Enclave soldiers like a tidal wave of angry scales and claws and armour that broke right over them tearing them apart and the shots that were fired in a vain attempt to try and repel them were either wide due to fear and panic of the shooters or were pretty much absorbed by the armour they were clad in. The effect the claws had was instantaneous and it was like somebody flipping a light switch. The tide of the battle had just instantly turned and they spread out and began to hunt down anyone wearing an enclave uniform. Unfortunately that also kind of caused Seven to be singled out as he kind of looked like them thanks to the XO-1 he was wearing. The Seven stepped out and began aiding his fellow combatants by deflecting shots and crushing weapons. Two female claws suddenly appeared to his right, and with a pair of roars he charged right at him, obviously thinking he was one of the enemy soldiers. Whoa! Friendly! Friendly! he yelled, using his telekinesis to deflect them, and just bought him just enough time for another claw to rush in between them, the brace bellowing a roar so loud that it caused Seven's oral protection to kick in to have to shield his hearing from the effects of it. And he swiftly realised that that claw protecting him was none other than his visa, and clad in her heavy armour, she looked every bit the strong alpha claw she was. Hell, she looked like a scaly war angel. Her bellowing roar and defensive stance very clearly showed this man was protected and that he was defended and if anyone laid a single claw upon him they would answer to her and it would not be a nice time for them either. The two feral female claws looked at her in surprise but they didn't argue. They simply turned around and dashed back off into the town looking for other soldiers to hunt. It was kind of obvious the effect how an alpha had on the betas. Which, to be fair, 
Given that the soldiers were all over the place now trying to run for their lives, they very rapidly found. By the screams Seven heard from the other side of a house, they vanished around anyway. Visa spun and looked at Seven before rushing forwards to him. We came as fast as we could. Wait, is that a hole in your armour? Visa exclaimed, grabbing him and leaning into peer at his right pauldron. Yeah, they got through. I'm all right, though. Go and help the others, he said, and she growled at him menacingly. You think I would leave my male injured on the field of battle and would not stand to defend him? She snarled angrily. Now you know that's not true. I'm just saying they probably need your help more than I do. I'm good. I got hit by Shauna's meds. Just need someone to keep the younger claws in line. Seven said and Visa growled. They both looked up just in time to see Vess and Ven growling orders to some of the younger ferals and sending them running off towards a machine gun emplacement as well as both leading them into the battle and all of them jumped over the sandbag front wall and vanished into the pit beyond. Before moments later limbs and blood began to shoot into the air before Ven appeared holding what appeared to be an arm that he apparently seemed intent on beating the owner of the death with. I think my fair arrows, Alphas, have it covered. And besides, when my male is injured, I do not care a single shit that if, what, if the god that all you humans seem to believe in came down in person, he'd get the same answer. Fuck no, she growled, and Seven realised that it was kind of pointless arguing with the stubborn female claw. So instead, he just let her lead him out of the danger zone. I didn't try and stop him getting involved, as he continued to both deflect shots and knock weapons from soldiers' hands as they travelled. The intervention of the claws turned the battle very rapidly in the favour of the townspeople, though, to be fair, it was not bloodless. The enclave might have been megalomaniac tailholes, but they were well-trained and well-equipped, so it would have been very much too much to ask that they got taken down without a loss of life on the townspeople and claws' side. Possibly, if they'd had more time to plan and prepare it, there would have been a much more likely outcome. But it was simply not to be. But thankfully their losses were minimal, with only two claws and tens and ten of the townspeople losing their lives to the over 200 enclave soldiers that died that day. But in the end, not a single enclave soldier was left standing. After all the abuses that the town had suffered, it seemed that neither the claws nor the townspeople were in any mood to take prisoners, so they didn't. But when the smoke cleared and the sounds of battle finally faded, leaving in its wake a kind of odd silence that was almost as deafening as the gunfire and screams of the wounded had been. Then, slowly, people just began to mill about, looking both stunned and lost for a moment, as the fact that they'd actually won this sunk in. And that's when the cheers and roars began. And that's when Seven got to bear witness to the most beautiful fight, sight he'd ever seen in his life. Well, other than Visa in a rather provocative pose with her tail touching the back of her horns. But that this was a close second. It was the simple townspeople weeping in joy, and not only hugging one another at the realisation that they were now free, but the claws as well. The feral claws were stood among them and getting hugged by people that they just fought for. It was beautiful to see. It was an incredible outpouring of joy and raw emotion, so powerful that not even someone with a heart made entirely of ice 
to be able to resist it because there was just so much joy and love being shared here that it even brought tears to Seven's eyes and totally had nothing to do with the fact that both Sean and Malachi was currently stitching the hole in his shoulder closed. Nothing at all. Seven was currently sat on a box outside of his armour so he could be treated while Timothy was trying to repair the pauldrons by salvaging parts from the fallen enclave soldiers. He'd also decided it would be a good idea to put to get, put you, to use some of the suits that were salvageable by giving them to the townspeople and training them on how to use them so they could be used to defend the town as plan, part of the plan to defend themselves from any further insult by the enclave or by any other outside forces. The townspeople wasted no time in gathering up the dead from their town but to seven surprise and in his opinion, showing the character of not only the townspeople but the claws as well, they gathered up the bodies of not only their own fallen people, but the enclave as well. They didn't show them any form of disrespect. They simply laid them out neatly at the edge of the town while it was decided what would be done with them. After he finished stitching, Malachi headed off as he was on burial detail. And to be fair, he was the only one that could make death shrouds which was probably going to take him a while, given that the two fallen claws, he was determined to make sure that the claws knew they were part of much of this as any of the humans here, so he was going to take care of them first, and that was going to take a lot of silk. The hole in Seven's shoulder was about the size of a bottle cap, and to be fair had gone clean through his entire shoulder and out the back, and it also hit the inside of the pauldron, but there it hadn't gone through the back but they'd replaced the entire thing anyway. Due to the modular design of the power armour sets, this was an easy fix for Timothy, especially with his engineering skills. Unfortunately, Seven himself was not as much of a quick fix, and he knew as soon as the stim pack he'd been injected with worn off, it was going to ache like fuck, and it was also going to put his right arm out of commission for a few days. As he was sat there leaning back against the side of one of the houses, Three people that Sec of Seven recognised from the meeting approached, and they had Chris with them. He knew that these were the town leaders. Visa growled as they approached, and Seven reached up with his good arm and patted her big thigh through her armoured poncho, and she glanced down at him and relaxed. He felt rather flattered that Visa was being so overprotective of him, because he was injured, and her natural feminine claws instincts were showing through so easily, because she was worried about him and had a desire to protect him from everyone and everything. How are you feeling, Mr. Seven? Mrs. Garrett, who was a woman in her mid-fifties, but still looked to be in her mid-thirties, despite the hard life of farming and frontier survival. It was obvious she'd taken good care of herself despite this hard life. I'm good, thanks, and it's just seven, thanks, he said, smiling up at her. She nodded and smiled at him. On behalf of everyone here, I would like to say a very, very heartfelt thank you to you and to your whole team. We were honestly beginning to believe that we were the only ones in the waste that believed that not only in community but in the goodness of normal people. But not only have you shown us that so much more than that. Before, we simply believed that our friendly claws were little more than just friendly animals. But having seen them in action here today, as they fought for not only alongside us, but actually for us, I want to express a very deep and personal sense of gratitude to you, all of you, she said, and simply, Seven simply smiled and waved his hand dismissively. <laughs>
It's fine, honestly. This is exactly the sort of thing we founded this group and the premise of. Well, that and promoting freedom of interspecies cooperation and love. Now I know it's not exactly going to be for everyone, but all we want is to show people that not only is there nothing wrong with it, but it can change people's lives for the better on both sides of the aisle. I mean, look at what we did here today. He said, reaching up and gently stroking Visa's thigh again, making her both growl and purr softly. My seven has most cha certainly changed my life, so much for the better. And having seen this group grow and change, it has warmed my heart to see the lives that we have changed and helped along our path. It started with us simply seeking freedom from those that would not only harm us, but force us apart, as well turning my most beloved one into a weapon against his will. But we have moved beyond that now. As we have moved around, we have seen the effect we have been having on the people around us. We have been rapidly drawing of like-minded humans and non-humans to us, and working on helping us to become a real force, not only for change, but for good in this world. Simply look at what we did here, Visa said proudly, gesturing towards the town. Mrs Garrett nodded. I'd also like to say a big thank you to you for the hard work and respect being shown to our fallen friends by your spider friend over there. Malachi, was it? Mrs Green said, and Seven nodded, glancing over at the spider boy as he their weaving silken shrouds to cover up their fallen respectfully. You're most very welcome. Young Malachi there is incredibly good at what he does. You'll not find a better tailor anywhere in the wastes. And hell, I'd say the country. If you give us enough time to get our shit together, we'll help you with the burial detail. He said, and Mrs. Garrett held up her hand and shook her head. No, your guys have done more than enough for us. Now it's our turn. We'll take care of our dead once Malachi has finished shrouding them. We'll also take care of the fallen enclave soldiers, as well as most of them do not really deserving it. I will say this. The same respect will not be shown at our officer, Selene. She will be held as an example to what we do to rapists, torturers and abusers here. But as for you, your people will always be welcome here among us. In fact, we're already arranging for a place for you and your people to rest up before you move on. Chris has already explained to us about the importance of your mission. But we will be throwing a feast in your honour tonight, so I hope you'll all be there. She said with a growl in her voice that turned into a smile as she mentioned the accommodations and feast. I think the claws will very much appreciate that. Nothing makes a claw smile broader than a nice feast, Seven said, patting Visa's thigh, and she shot him a look. What can I say? I am a girl of simple tastes, she said slightly defensively, as they all turned to watch Ricky Claw, who had now come to join his family and his human friend in the town and seemed to be really happy to be able to see the town up close now, and he seemed to be absolutely fascinated by absolutely everything around him, scampering around looking like a Scooby-Doo cartoon as he appeared here, there and everywhere. Yeah, if there was one good thing this town is good at, it's knowing how to look after our claw friends, and after the length they went, for, went to for us today, we'll be making sure they know just exactly how much appreciated they truly are. Mrs. Garrett said with a knowing smile. Don't worry, you're not the only one who knows how to make a claw feel appreciated. Though, I will say our methods probably are might be rather different, Seven said, switching his stroke from Visa's thigh to her long tail, which was exposed out of the back of her armour, 
and her growl rapidly became a quick purr. Don't you worry, my human. I will most definitely be giving you the opportunity to show your appreciation later, though. Um, though first, a meal. I think we might both need our strength, she said, and Seven could actively see Mrs. Garrett trying not to blush hard as the implications of what they were so obviously talking about through the veil, as well as her other companions. And that's when Vess appeared, as if by magic, which considering her size was rather impressive. I too look forward to this aforementioned meal. Maybe afterwards young Chris here can show me some appreciations as well. I've been hearing something about something called an exclusive claw wash. I do believe I'm due for one of these. So if you do not mind, I'll be taking my attendant with me, she said. And with that, she placed a huge hand on on Chris's shoulders and steered him away from the group. And he knew he was going to have to have a word with her before anything went too far. And that was not going to be a fun conversation. And that was chapter 65, ladies and gentlemen. So the question remains, will Vess be swayed easily? Will Chris be saved from uh, things going too far, shall we say? Or will he uh, happily embrace this new life as a claw servant? There's only one way to find out the answer to that question and more. And that's the means you're going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you next time.